Good morning, Booker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. Today is a very special edition of our Parsha Perspectives because this week we are once again launching our global campaign. If you want to fast forward this part, first of all, if you're live, you don't have that option, so too bad. <clears throat> but the global campaign are for those who are not BRS members. We are so grateful and so overjoyed to be able to share our Torah, our values, our vision anywhere and everywhere people want to read, listen, or watch. We simply ask for your help, for your support, to enable us to continue to do so and to spread the message. So, take out your phones right now if you're not a BRS member. You're enjoying the air conditioning, the lights, the teacher. Take out your phone, go to brsonline.org global and contribute whatever you can, any amount. We appreciate it, but you certainly want to make yourself counted. If you come and you consume the Torah, if you're enjoying, you're benefiting, you have to contribute. You have to be counted. That's what we learned after Parshas Mishpatim. Hashem says, Nasa v'nishma, really? You enjoy, you benefit? All the emails, all the follow-up, Rabbi, that was great, I enjoyed, it's wonderful, I learn, I love it. That's very nice. Could you make a contribution? Could you help us continue to spread it? brsonline.org global, brsonline.org global. If you're here in person, conveniently, you've got a QR code. I'm not going to try to explain to you what that is because I want to get to the Parsha at some point today. But if you're watching online, if you're here live, if you're watching or listening later, if you enjoy, if you benefit, your conscience should not allow you to keep listening right now without stopping and going on brsonline.org global, brsonline.org global and making your difference, your contribution. Parsha series is generously sponsored by Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of... Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nishmas, David Ben, Menachem Manish. Our learning should be Lila Nishmaso. And this morning's share in particular is sponsored by Brew Pool and Family, Rufu Shlema of Chanoch Ben Yamin, Ben Sarah, and Lila Nishmas. Rachalaya Bas, David is Nishama Shadav and Aliyah as well. If you don't know how to go on brsonline.org slash global, immediately following the share, there'll be people here to help you in the back be able to go online and make a contribution. Again, we thank you for your help. We are on page 530 in the Arts Scroll Stone Chumash, and we are in the middle of a parak. We are in the middle of two parshias generally read together. This year we have the privilege of reading them separately, which enables us to study them and analyze them and look at them a little bit more carefully and closely than we ordinarily do. This is the accounting. These are the reckonings of Moshe of the tabernacle of the Mishkan, the Mishkan Ha'edus. Obviously, you should jump out at you right away. We've discussed this many times before, and certainly you've heard countless divrei Torah. What do you mean? Ela pekudeh Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edus. Did we forget what it was in the millisecond before we just said Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edus? Why the redundancy? Why the double language? Ela pekudeh Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edus. Asher pukar api Moshe, and Moshe did the accounting. Moshe was both the rabbi of the shul and he was the chair of the finance committee. He was the controller, he was the bookkeeper, he was everything. Moshe, the campaign is complete. The project has been built, the Mishkan has been built. It's gonna be functional. And Moshe does and offers an audit. He does and he takes an accounting. What's going on over here? There is much to say. Asher Tziva, let's keep rowing, reading. And B'tzal ben Uri ben Chur did everything that he was commanded by Moshe. In his drash, Moshe, Moshe Feinstein points out the following. He says, 
Ela pekudei. This is the reckoning. This is the counting. This is the appointment. This is the mission. You know what the biggest accounting we have to take? The biggest audit we take of our lives is not only our finances. Of course, that's important. We'll talk about more in a moment. We have to be beyond reproach. We have to act with honesty, of course, in our communal affairs and our personal affairs. But Al Pidrush, Rab Moshe says, Ele Pekude. You know what the number one accounting you have to take is? Asher Tziva Hashem. Am I following what Hashem wants from me? Am I living life for me? Am I living life for Him? Do I think He works for me? Or do I realize I work for Him? Asher Tziva Hashem. There is a prescription for how to live in this world. They're called the Tariq Mitzvos. There are 613 mitzvos, and those are the expectations. That is what Hashem is waiting and assumes from us and for us. But in addition to the universal mitzvahs that we're all bound by, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that the Torah testifies about Pitzalel, that Hashem had given him the skills, these talents. Whatever we're born with, they're on loan from Hashem. And Hashem granted us that for our mission, our purpose. Every one of us is here for a unique and a distinct reason. Se'ele pekudei, the biggest audit of our lives, the biggest accounting we should take of our lives is Asher Tziva Hashem. Asher Tziva Hashem. You know, naturally we have to do our taxes once a year, we're getting to that season. So the government, its rules and regulations demand that we do an audit of the finances of our life. But how often do we do the audit of the spiritual accounting of our lives? How frequently? Is it annually only in Elul before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Do we do it quarterly? Do we do it semi-annually? Do we do it monthly? Do we do a weekly review? How often the Eila Pekude Asher Tziva Hashem? Who grants us whatever amount of time in this world? And he gives us skills and talents. He gives us strengths. And a Baruch Hu will demand of us. We will have to submit an accounting. He will say, I gave you 60, 70, 80, 90, please God, 120 years on that earth. What do you have to show for it? What did you do with it? What contribution did you make in it? How did you improve or repair? How did you advance my interests in this world? What did you do with the talents I gave you? How much did you binge watch on Netflix? How much did you obsess over the news cycle as important as we're seeing is? How much did you sit and you gossip? How much did you pursue accumulating and amassing things? And how much did you change the world? In whatever way you're meant to do, and for some that means you got out of bed this morning. What do we do with our money? What do we do with our energy? What do we do with our resources? What do we do with our talents? So beautiful drusha of Moshe. That the biggest accounting we give is Asher Tziva Hashem, is about our relationship with all that Hashem commands of us. Rav Shechter, there's a brand new volume. I just picked it up at the Weiss Farm Sale. Rav Schechter on the Parsha, Volume 2. Very indebted to Dr. Alan Weissman, who took and collected the Torahs of Rav Schechter. He printed Volume 1 on the Parsha, he has Anyantaf, he has a Haggadah, and now he just came out with a Volume 2 Rav Schechter on the Parsha, Volume 2. I highly recommend. And he says the following, Mishkan Rashi, quoting the Tanchuma, notes the repetition of the word Mishkan. 
understanding Mishkan is being related to the word mashkon, a security, a security loan, a security loan. The Tanaim comment that the implication of the Pasuk is that Hashem took the two Batei Mikdash as collateral for the Averos of Bnei Yisrael. In other words, read it, Ela Pekudea Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edus. This is the accounting of the Mishkan, which is a mashkon. A mashkon means collateral. What is collateral? Collateral is security of a loan. You want me to lend you money? Let me hold your watch. You want me to lend you money? Let me hold a valuable piece of property. I'll return it to you when you pay the loan but you want to secure the loan. How do I know if you default on the loan that I won't be out? So you secure the loan with a mashkon, with a, with a deposit, with a mashkon. So what's the implication? HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the two Batei Mikdash as collateral for our Averos. He destroyed the two Batei Mikdash that he came to dwell in as collateral for our Averos. It follows that once B'nai Yisrael do tshuva, and Hashem accepts that tshuva, and He forgives us, then He'll be obligated to give back the base of Mikdash. If I lend you money and I take your watch as collateral and you pay the loan, what do I have to do? I can't say, well, I've gotten used to the watch. I like it. I get a lot of compliments for it. I can't take the repayment and keep the watch. The halacha, the moral and ethical thing to do is, once you repay the loan, I give you back the collateral. So once we do tshuva, we repay Hashem, so to say, the debt of the mistakes we've made, then he has to give us back that collateral, namely the Batei Mikdash. Why is this interesting? It means the relationship with the Beis HaMikdash from Hashem is not out of kindness or compassion from Him, but rather it's due, there's a sense of justice. It's rightfully ours, we earned it. That's the relationship we have. And this form, says Rav Shechter, the basis of the Vilna Gon's practice regarding the third bracha of benching. What in the world does it, beginning of Parshas Pekudei, have to do with the third bracha of benching? So there's a machlokis between the Machaber and the Ramah. In Orachayim, Simen Kuf Peches, Sif Dalad, the Machaber writes, we conclude the third bracha of benching, bracha Hashem, Bonei Yerushalayim. Amen. Whereas the Ramah adds the word, Bonei Berachamav Yerushalayim. Do we long for, do we ask, do we bless Hashem to build Yerushalayim? Or to build Yerushalayim, Berachamav, with His compassion? The Vilna Gon Davin Nusach Ashkenaz, and generally Paskin like thee, Ramah. So you'd expect the Gon to say, Bonei Birachamav Yerushalayim. But the Gon, the Sefer Maiserav, a collection of the practices of the Vilna Gon, quotes that the Vilna Gon benched, he would say, Bonei Yerushalayim Amen. He would omit the word Birachamav, following the opinion of the Machaber, unlike what he normally did. Beis Yosef quotes the Rishonim who explained the Nusach of Bonei Yerushalayim based on the Pasuk, Tzion b'mishpat hipodeh, shavea b'tztaka. Tzion, that, that Zion, b'mishpat, with righteousness it will be redeemed, and its captives with staka. It'll be redeemed through justice. So, given the comment on the Medrash, Chazal understand the Pasuk as follows. V'shavea b'tztaka means, Hashem will accept, shavea means tshuva, those who return. Those who do tshuva will be an act of kindness on his part. But once Hashem forgives the Averos, now he has to return the mashkon. So Tzion b'mishpat tipadeh. Shavea b'tztaka. It's a tztaka that he'll accept our tshuva. But once he accepts our tshuva and we pay the debt of the mistakes we made, now b'mishpat, now it's a sense of justice that he has to give us back what's rightfully ours. And therefore it's not barachamav. And that's why, and that's why the Vilna Gon omitted the word barachamav. Even though he generally paskin like the Ramah, 
based on the beginning of our parsha. Ela pekude hamishkan mashkon mashkon collateral. We're due the Beis Hamitash once we do tshuva, we deserve to have it returned. And because we deserve to have it returned, he would omit the word Biracham. The Chavetz Chaim writes in his introduction to the Mishnah Bura that when there's a machlokas achronim, a quote the in particular, in order to arrive at the Psak Halacha. Chavetz Chaim considered himself a Talmud of the Beis Medrash of the, of the Vilna Gon by virtue of the fact that his Rebbe was a Talmud of Rav Chaim Velazhner. He therefore followed the Minhagim of the Gra, albeit privately. Close Talmud writes that when the Chavetz Chaim led Birchas Amazon, he would say benching out loud, but he didn't want to disclose that he was following the Gra against the Ramah. So he had another person, usually his son-in-law, recite the conclusion of the third bracha out loud. So the Chavetz Chaim, even when he led benching, would say every word out loud, but to not contradict the Ramah, though he paskin like the Gra, when he got to that third bracha, Bonei Yerushalayim, he would omit the word Barachamov, he would have someone else conclude the benching, his son-in-law or someone near him who knew his customs so as not to contradict the Ramah. So that's the typical Parsha inside of Rav Shechter. More of Rabbi Rav Shechter, you're not going to find Hasidus and Jerush and Musr. He'll find a halachic connection based on the Pasuk, but it's fascinating. You'd say, what does the third brach of benching have anything to do with the first Pasuk of Parsha's Pekudei? And if you're Rav Shechter, then you know only everything. From Ela Pekudei HaMishkan, Mishkan HaEdos, Mashkon, and he finds that connection, he finds that beautiful connection. One more interesting insight on this notion of Ela Pekudei HaMishkan, the beautiful Rav Moshe, Ela Pekudei, Asher Tziva Hashem. The biggest accounting or audit we do is are we fulfilling our mission in life? Financial audits are easy. They're easy if you're honest, but they should be easy anyway. But a spiritual audit, to spiritually audit our lives, it's a lot harder. That is a lot harder. That's why, I'll just share, because we mentioned it again in our parsha. the Kior was located near the Mizbeach, and I'm not going to review the whole back and forth and debate between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem about the Kior was made from the mirrors the women used to beautify themselves. Moshe rejected them. Vanity, ah! And Hashem said, vanity, it's the most precious to me. And Rav Soloveitchik's insight that on the way to the Mizbeach, you got to look in the mirror. You can't walk up to the Mizbeach and offer a korban. You can't claim to want to come close to God. What is a korban? The root of the word korban is karov, to draw close to Hashem. The korban was not some archaic, barbaric, violent, graphic way of, you know, offer the animal, sprinkle the blood, say two of these and three of those, and you're good to go. There was a deep meaning and a deep purpose and a deep symbolism. A person, as we've spoken about, would slaughter the animal inside themselves. We live in this battle, this tension. Am I the animal instinct, the animal impulse? Am I the godly soul, the godly spirit? We walk up to the Nizbeach, Hashem, I'm offering this carbon because I want to draw karov. I want to be close to you. And what's the best way to be close to you? What is the greatest form of flattery? Imitation. Hashem, I want to be more godly and less animal-like. So I'm taking this animal impulse, this animal instinct, which causes me to act like an animal and eat like an animal and talk like an animal and indulge my animal impulse. I'm slaughtering this animal on this altar so that I can come close to you by being more godly and less animal. That's the whole meaning. We'll talk more about it soon in Sefer Vayikra. So the Rav said, you want to get close to God? You want to walk up to the Mizbech and offer a korban? You got to stop and pause at the kior. You know why? Because when you washed in the kior, you know what you're looking at? Yourself. You have to be willing to look in the mirror. You can't walk up and offer the carbon if you can't look in the mirror. Self-awareness. Something uniquely human is self-awareness. Animals have no self-awareness. Animals have no self-awareness. The animal doesn't say, how do I look in this outfit? The animal doesn't say, do you think I've gained weight? Is my hair going gray or white? 
The animal has no self-awareness. The animal has just an animal impulse. That's why it's called an animal. But the human being is supposed to live with a self-awareness. And that's this Rav Moshe, Eila Pekudei, Asher Tziva Hashem. Stop at the cure and take a spiritual audit before you walk up to the Mizbeach and claim you're a holy roller. Before you walk up to that Mizbeach and say, I'm offering the Korban, I want to be Korov, I want to be close to you. Hashem says, do me a favor, back up and look in the cure for a second. Take a look in the mirror. Be honest with yourself and have some self-awareness. One more insight on this comes from the Medrash. The Yaakot Shimoni, the beginning of Pekude says, Lama asa imem cheshbon, what in the world's going on over here? I find this to be one of the most disturbing and yet one of the most comforting passages in the whole Torah. We speak about it every year. Because this is the great Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the savior, who takes the Jewish people out of Egypt. Moshe Rabbeinu, who, when all is helpless and hopeless, when they have given up, when they believe this is simply their destiny and their fortune, they fatalistically think that they will be in slavery forever, all of a sudden comes on the scene Moshe and he liberates, he emancipates, he gives them a new lease on life. And you know what they do? Say, hey Moshe, you know, I was like a few shekel missing from this accounting. I know it's a multi-million dollar budget, but we've called a special board meeting because we're concerned about the discretionary fund and where some of the money went. It's not all adding up. We can't figure it all out. And Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't look at them and say, you know what, I'm out of here. Find another savior. I'm done with you incorrigible, impossible people. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't say, are you kidding me? You know what card Moshe Rabbeinu could wave, says the Yalkut Shimoni? He could wave the Bechol Beisi Namanhu card. You know what card that is? You know who endorsed Moshe and said he is beyond reproach? He is trustworthy, reliable, credible, no audit necessary. You know who testified and said that? Not the head of the IRS. The Rebona Shalom. Hashem himself testifies about Moshe. There's no one like Moshe. He's the most credible, reliable, trustworthy. The Jewish people say, yeah, that's nice, got it. Moshe, if you don't mind, hand over the books. Yeah, that's nice, Hashem. But Moshe, if you don't mind, we'd like to see the books. We need the password to the, uh, what's that system called? You see, who doesn't do the books here? Shul Cloud, nah, what's the other one? Whatever, what does everyone do their books on? QuickBooks, QuickBooks, thank you. You see, I'm reliable, I don't go near the QuickBooks, I don't even know the name of the program, I couldn't even open it up if I wanted to. So Moshe Rabbeinu, nice, Hashem says, Bechol Beisi Naman, we'd like the password to the QuickBooks and the Shul Cloud, we want it all. So why? So the Midrash tells us that Moshe comes back and he hears murmurings. He's, over, he's listening into the Kiddush. And what are they listening about in the Kiddush? The fifth L'chaim. And at the fifth L'chaim they say, hey, Moshe, not bad. He's a good guy. Gave us freedom. Earned us the man. Not bad. But I heard he's cooking the books. I heard he's bending the rules. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? He does this accounting, and we've spoken in the past, we're not going to belabor now. What did he find was missing? We mentioned it last night at Sitter Snippets. I love it when Sitter Snippets and Parsha come together. We began last night in Sitter Snippets, MS Vyatsa, Venachim, Vikayim. There are 15 words in a row that begin with the letter Vav, and they correspond with the 15 Vavim that Moshe forgot to include in the accounting in our Parsha. There were hooks that held the Mishkan together. They were so insignificant, inconsequential, inexpensive that Moshe forgot to include them. He just simply dismissed them because they seemed so unimportant. When you have a pile of papers that's your magnum opus, you don't think about the paperclip that's holding them together. 
So Moshe forgot about the Vavim. And corresponding with those 15 Vavim, says the Balaturim in our Parsha, we have V'yatzev and Nachon V'kayim V'yashar, the Vavs of each of these paragraphs, straight and honest and reliable. It's all these Vavs of Moshe Rabbeinu, Pekudai. Listen to Siddur snippets for it to all come together. We forget. Sometimes we forget how important the Vav is. The Vav HaChibur. In Hebrew grammar, the Vav is the Vav HaChibur. It links and it keeps things together. So Moshe hears these accusations, these suspicions, and what does he do? He sits and he does a whole accounting. He now makes it all work out. He remembers these Vavim, and that's how our Parsha begins. That's all the backdrop to the Parsha. When Moshe has the balanced budget, when Moshe is able to pass the audit, that's when he comes on the stage and he says, Ele Pekudei HaMishkan. Chevra, membership meeting, here are the books. Balanced. Here they are, transparent. Ele Pekudei HaMishkan, Mishkan Ha'idus, it all works out. It all works out. So you see, Moshe Rabbeinu removed from himself any sense of cheshad. Why? Why was he listening to the late Sonim, the scoffers and the cynics, those who were suspicious? Why did he have to give them the time of day? Why didn't he simply say, do you know who I am? Do you know I'm beyond reproach? And if you want to be suspicious about me, I have 15 other nations waiting to hire me to be their manhik. Do you know how many opportunities I have? I can make a lot more money, a lot less effort, live a lot happier life. I have 15 other manhik positions I could be taking. You're going to question me? I'm out of here like Vladimir. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't say that. You know what he does? He sits, he stays up all night, and he does the accounting. Says of Moshe Schwab, the mashkiach of Gateshead, he says, you see, you see that the importance of being nucky, the importance of being clean and pure beyond reproach, the answer, even the leitzanim, the leitzanim adora are so dangerous, the cynics and the scoffers and those who are suspicious can sow a sentiment of poison that can contaminate and germinate and metastasize and spread, and it can corrupt an entire nation. And Moshe Rabbeinu recognizes that. He doesn't do the accounting because he's doubtful about himself and his own integrity. He does it because he understands the danger of the cynics and the scoffers. Where do you see this? You see this earlier in the Torah. He doesn't bring this, but I'm adding this. You see it earlier in the Torah. Yitzchak Avinu is born looking exactly like Avram. Why does he look exactly like Avram? He's the twin of Avram, the spitting twin of Avram. Why? Because the late son I adore used to say, Avram's not the father of Yitzchak when Sarah was pregnant. They'd say, Avram's not the father. You know who the father is? Avimelech. Because Baruch made a miracle, Yitzchak would look exactly like Avram. So the question is, why? That's worth a miracle? Because of the, the people, the um, JFKs? You know what JFK is? A new term. Anyone know what JFK stands for? Not John F. Kennedy. Not an airport, not a president. JFK is just for Kiddush. There's a whole term now. That's the, that's the tukufa we're living in. JFKs are the people who come to shul, JFK, just for Kiddush. They don't make it in for davening, they don't come inside at all. They come to shul, we're laughing, we should be crying. The JFKs, or we should be laughing. Now's not the time, but Baruch Hashem, maybe they at least come to shul. The JFKs could meet somewhere else. JFKs could stay home under the covers. At least they come to shul. Rebbe Yitzchak and would say, oh, look at these holy Jews. They don't connect to davening. They could have Kiddush anywhere, but still they come to shul to have it. Isn't it amazing? So we should have a little bit more of Levi Yitzchak in our lives. But anyway, the JFK. So, Baruch, what does he have to answer the Leitzanei Ador? What does he have to answer to make a miracle? Yitzchak has to look exactly like Avram to answer the Leitzanei Ador. Leitzanei Ador deserve a miracle? Yeah. That's how pernicious they can become. 
That's how dangerous that sentiment can be. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu responds here too. And that is a model for us. Beyond reproach, the honesty, the integrity with which we have to carry ourselves. If anyone were to stop us and challenge us, rather than act defensive or resentful or angry, no problem. Here are my receipts. Here are my books. Here's full transparency. I have nothing to hide. Moshe Rabbeinu is our Rabbeinu. He is our mentor and teacher even in this area. We, I, have nothing to hide, whatever you want to see. The global campaign, we will provide full books, brsonline.org slash global. If you're enjoying so far with this Rav Moshe, if you enjoyed this Rav Moshe Schwab, if you enjoyed this beautiful insight of Rav Schechter, you got to contribute to the global campaign. And we'll give you a full accounting afterwards. Full transparency. In fact, if you go on the website, you see everybody who contributed to it. And the nice little message they write. So even if you're just voyeuristic and you want to just see who's giving, who's listening, who actually cares about Goldberg, so go on there and you'll see. And hopefully you'll be moved enough to press donate to be counted yourself. And we'll give you a full Pekude Ha Global campaign afterwards. Uh, afterwards. Okay. Perk Lamerches Pasuk Chav Moving right along. We just said, We know the architect of the Mishkan was Betzalel, a very young man at the time. He did everything that Hashem had commanded through Moshe. Everything that Hashem had commanded through Moshe. Revolba has a fantastic insight. Moshe has the following insight. Rashi at the beginning of our parsha quotes an interesting Gemara and Brachos on Daf Nunhei. Says Rashi. Need my glasses for this. Says Rashi about Betzalo. Betzalo was called, why? Because of his wisdom. Because he had this wisdom, that's why Betzalo got his name. Because we know that there was a discussion between him and Moshe. We're going to get to this in a moment, but there's a fundamental debate between Moshe and Betzalo. But Salah had to have some courage to disagree with Moshe. Moshe is the god of every door. <laughs> to have some courage to disagree with Moshe. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells him, first make the kalim, and then the mishkan. Build the utensils, order the furniture, and then we'll build the house. First you build the house, then you order the furniture. What if the furniture arrives before the house is done? And B'tzala plays the trump card here, and he says, that's what I heard from God. First you build the house, then you get the kalim. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu respond? Again, does Moshe double down? Does he dig in his heels? Moshe is Rabbeinu because everything he does we can learn from. What does he do? He says, you're right, I'm wrong. I concede. I concede. And he says, B'tzal kel, B'tzal kel hayisa, you were in the shade or the shadow of God. You're right, you're right, I was wrong. I was wrong. So you see, quoting the Gemara Brachos here, it's Gemara Brachos, Nunayim and Aleph, that Betzalel was called because of the wisdom. When Hashem said, go tell Betzalel to make for me a Mishkan, Moshe reversed the order and told him first the Aaron and the utensils, then the Mishkan. Betzalel said, that's not the normal way to do it. And Moshe said, Betzalel, Kel, you are in the shadow of Hashem. He gave you that wisdom. And that's how you knew. That's how you knew. You intuited. You knew because you're in the shadow of Hashem. You were right. You were right. I was wrong. Isn't that beautiful? Like, do you ever see that anymore? Two people are arguing. Person says, A, A says, A. And then B says, due respect, but I think it's B. And A says, you know, you're right. I was wrong, you're right. It's so refreshing. 
It's sad that that's so refreshing, but it's so unusual today. But Tzal taught us a very timely lesson, that the purpose of the Mishkan was to house the Aron and the Luchos it contained. The Shekhinah would rest on the Aron, and Moshe would receive the Nevuah, the Nevuah, the prophecy, the word of Hashem came from between the Kruvim. We spoke about the Kruvim, Parshas Truma. The Kruvim, these angelic, childlike figurines on top of the Aron, and the voice of Hashem emanated, it came from their, from their purity, from their innocence, from their appetite and their inquisitiveness and their curiosity. So with this in mind, how could you not start the building of the Mishkan with the Aron? How could you choose to begin with the walls and the curtains? The answer to this question was B'Tzal's message for all generations. In other words, Moshe seems to be right. Even though B'Tzal is correct that ordinarily, first you build a home before you order the furniture. What happens if you get the furniture delivery before the home is built? You have nowhere to put it. You'll be in trouble. So you're right. B'Tzal is right when it comes to an ordinary human being in an ordinary home. But this is no ordinary home. It's a house for Hashem. So shouldn't you need to build the kalim, which will bring the countenance? Shouldn't you first need to build the utensils, which will bring Hashem's presence? And then from there, the Mishkan. So what was B'Tzal's answer? And what message is that for all of us? So the Volba writes in Ali Shor, he says, you know, we say in davening, search for Hashem and look for His presence always. A person who wants to fulfill this might feel compelled to search for Hashem by trying to seek His presence. Whether through davening or mitzvahs or lofty thoughts, we'll say, say you know what? If I do it well, I'll feel I'm in the presence of the Shekhinah. The root of the word Shekhinah is Shachain. What's a Shachain? A neighbor. The idea of giving Hashem a presence means that Hashem is not lofty and distant and abstract. He's not conceptual. I don't study about Him. I don't go to Weinberg and say, I don't go to a Yomi Yumer or Yarche Kala. I don't go to some seminar to, to analyze the evidence of God's existence. Shechina means He's my Shachin, He's my neighbor. He's my neighbor. Hey, neighbor. Neighbor, can I confide in you? Can I borrow a cup of sugar from you? I'm so grateful you're my neighbor. Who's that, Mr. Rogers? I'm so grateful to be your neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? So we turn to HaKadosh Baruch the Shekhinah and you say, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my Shachain? Won't you feel close to me and intimate with me and enable me to confide in you? I want to feel close. I want to feel connected. So how do we do that? How do we bring the Shekhinah down? How do we feel His presence? How do we lean on Him and rely on Him, feel the support of Him? How do we cry on His shoulder and how do we hold His hand and sing and dance and celebrate and tell him about our triumph and our victory? How do we protest and object and push back? How do we feel he's right there by our side? So, to his great chagrin, a person who thinks, you know, if I daven or do mitzvahs, then I'll be in Hashem's presence. The harder we push to attain the goal, the harder we'll fall. So what's the mistake? So Revolba writes, one who wishes to seek Hashem's presence has to build his own mishkan. Just as there's a specific order in the construction of the Mishkan, person must follow the blueprint in the construction of his own Mishkan. He must begin building from the part of the Mishkan that's furthest from the Aron, Hashem's presence, the outer walls, and only then the ultimate goal. The outer walls represent the Derech that precedes the Torah. If we too would like to build our personal Mishkan, we have to make sure the construction takes place in the proper order. We have to first work on correcting and perfecting our character and our Midos, and only then building an Aron. In other words, what's Revolba saying? You want to skip a step. So you say, you know what? I want to feel in the presence of the divine. I want to feel so uplifted and enriched and transformed and connected. So, you know, it doesn't matter that my midos are terrible. It doesn't matter that I'm obnoxious, that I'm mean, I'm dishonest, I'm impatient, I'm stingy, but I'm going to shuckle hard when I daven and I'm going to be really holy. 
I'm going to be a holy roller in shul. I'm going to have the longest Shemona Esrei in the entire community. I, when I leave the exit of the shul, I'm going to be the most ruthless in business. I'm not going to hold the door for anyone on the way out of shul. I'm going to be unkind, obnoxious. I'm not going to give to the global campaign because I don't value what I receive. I don't care. Getting the theme? Because I'm stingy and I don't appreciate and I don't say thank you for the learning I get. So, no, that's the wrong order. You can't build the Aron before you build the Mishkan. The Mishkan is the Derech Eretz. You have to have a house. You have to have walls. You have to have a structure. You have to have a foundation. And then on top of that foundation, now you can have an Aron. Now you can have Shechina. There are people who try to skip steps. They try to be holy rollers and they present themselves as spiritually advanced and sophisticated. And the very foundation is so weak. There is no foundation. The foundation of spirituality is Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz is Kadma La Torah. Is Derech Eretz, Midos Tovos, to emulate Hashem, to imitate Hashem. Rav Chaim Vital writes, why don't we find Midos in the Torah? Why don't we find the Midos in the Torah? Study all of Torah, you'll find Tariq Mitzvah, 613 Mitzvahs. Laws of Kashras and laws of Tum and Tara, if you're learning Dafyomi, you're going through that right now. You have laws of Shabbos and laws of Yantif and laws of Shatnas and laws of, there's a million laws, 613 Mitzvahs in the Torah. Where's the Mitzvah to be patient? Where's the mitzvah to be kind? Where's the mitzvah? You don't find it. Chaim Vital wonders where the, where the midos in the Torah. You know what he says? You know what else it doesn't say in the Torah? There's a mitzvah to breathe. There's a mitzvah for your heart to beat. You know why it doesn't say that in the Torah either? Because it's a given. If you're not breathing, there's no Torah. He says midos are like the air you breathe. They're the prerequisite. They're the prelude to Torah. Before you get to Tariq mitzvahs, you gotta have midos. You have to have a foundation. You have to be strong. And that's exactly what's going on, says Revolba, in this conversation. That's what's going on in this conversation. Is that Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, the Caleb, and then the, and then the Mishkan, then the Bayis. Moshe Rabbeinu says, first the utensils, the holiness of Hashem, the word of Hashem, the Shekhinah, because that's who Moshe is, and that's where Moshe lives. And Betzalel says, not so fast, Rabbi. First we have to have a foundation. Slowly, lat, lat. You have to go very, very slowly. You have to go very slowly. We went on a fly-in last week to New York. We took a couple dozen guys. We were running all around the New York area. We met with Gedoli Yisrael, Rashi Yeshiva, Rebbeim, Rebbes. It was an incredible, incredible trip who we met with. And um, I just put online today a little recap video with some of the highlights of things that they said. We met with Rav Avram Shor, the son of Rav Gedali Shor, the Orgedayo, the Neza Gedayo, the Rav Avram Shor, he spoke all about this. Slow, incremental steps, the ramp, you know, a ramp, if you're not walking slowly, if you try to run too fast, you're going to fall. You know what happens? You slide right down. A step, you can remain complacent. You could take a step and stop. You could catch your breath. You could rest. You could stay there. But a ramp, the Mizbech was a ramp. And if you try to run up the ramp, you're going to slip, you're going to fall, you're going to slide right down. You have to go slowly. You have to go incrementally. That's the way that we progress. That's the way that we grow. First you build the home, and then you have the Aron. Then you have the Aron. Someone asked him about how you grow, and he said, it's like building a wall. Ask any bricklayer, they'll tell you, if you try to pile bricks on before the first row has dried, the whole wall will collapse. Not only do you have to lay the first row, the bricks, you have to wait for it to dry before you add the next row. Because if it's still wet, the whole thing will topple over. So we have to go slowly, and it begins with Derech it begins with Midos, first you build the house, and then the Aron. Now you gotta get to the Aron. You can't have the inverse problem, which we hear all the time and experience too, which is, I have a good heart, I'm kind, so I don't come to shul and I don't keep the mitzvot, so I'm not fully observant, but I'm a good person. And isn't that what matters? Isn't that what Hashem cares about? Isn't that how you imitate Him? 
it's the first step, but you gotta get to the second step. You can't have a wall that only has one row. That's not a wall. So if you wanna build the wall, it's gotta have a strong foundation, a strong first layer, but you gotta build up, you gotta add onto it, you have to increase it as well. Says Revolba, that's the conversation that was going on. Now we can understand from Moshe's perspective, Moshe, who's Moshe Rabbeinu? So he says, in Aaron, Shechina, that comes first. Then you'll get to the house. Bitzal says, Rebbe, that works for you, the level you're on. For the rest of us, slowly, slowly. A house, derech eretz, incremental. We have to grow slowly. Perak Lamaches Pasel Chavzayim. We're going to turn the page, I promise you. Vahim Askikar Akesav Latzekes Adnei HaKodesh Ves Adnei HaParuches The hundred silver pieces were to cast the sockets, the Adonim are the sockets, and the sockets of the Paruches. Me'as Adonim L'Ma'as HaKikar Kikar La'adin, a hundred sockets for a hundred talents, a hundred pieces of silver, a piece of silver per socket. Piece of silver per socket. Mariv Rabbi of Asher Weiss, I saw him in New York last week, in his Minchas Asher, he says the following. He quotes this Pasuk, and then he quotes, in Shira Shirim, it says, Ma'as Adanim Keneged Miusadim Al Adne Paz, Ukenegdam Tiknumea Brachos Bechol Yom. So we have the Gemara Menachos that learns from here. We have several sources for the origin of the rabbinic obligation to say a hundred brachos every day. In his essay, in Menachos Asher, he has a discussion. Is it the rice? Is it the Rabbanan? How do you fulfill it? Shabbos and Yantif. But we say a hundred brachos a day. hundred brachos. On a weekday, we're well on our way. 19 times 3. When you say the Amidah, you're well on your way. If you're Ashkenazi, you throw in a lot more Asher Yatsars, you're well on your way. If you like to eat, you're Jewish, you make a lot of birchas anenen, you're well on your way, you bench, you got a few extra brachos in there, we click off, we're able to get to our 100 brachos. There's actually an app on your phone that you could use to count your 100 brachos a day. Why do we say 100 brachos a day? Why? That's a lot of brachos. Is Hashem such an egomaniac? Chas v'shalom. Is Hashem so narcissistic, He needs you to 100 times a day say, you're, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. And I once did the funeral for a very um, prominent celebrity's mother. And I spent the day with him preparing the funeral and the day afterwards. And we ended up having hours of discussion about Judaism. I'm not going to drop his name now because then my children will accuse me of flexing. And even though I just did his mother's funeral, there's no flex. The flex would be if I, he agreed to continue learning with me afterwards. He told me to lose my number, so there's nothing to flex. But anyway, in the discussion, this was shocking to me. He, he's the creator and producer of maybe the most popular television show in history, gazillionaire, brilliant. And you know what his big hang-up with Judaism was? Why is God such an egomaniac that he needs me to praise him all day? What's with prayer? What's with blessings? It should be if I'm moved, if I'm motivated. Can you imagine you're married to someone and they're so needy, they say, I need you a hundred times a day to text me that you love me. A hundred times a day, tell me how pretty I am. A hundred times a day, tell me how much you love me, appreciate me, how grateful you are for me. A hundred times a day, tell me how great I am and what you love about me. Uh, that, that'd be a, there, there are people, that'd be a tough marriage. There's nothing wrong with needing that a few times a day. We all have different love languages and for some the love languages to know, to feel loved, to feel validated, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But a hundred times a day might get a little much. It'd be hard to get anything else done. And here the Ribbono Shalom says, a hundred times a day, be in touch. A hundred times a day, be in touch. And say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam. A hundred times a day, we've got to say, God, you're the king of the whole universe. You're the king of the universe. Okay, we got it. You're the king of the universe. We're a little nothing. A hundred times a day, 
That was his hang-up. That was his hang-up. His barrier to Judaism, whether legitimate or artificial, his excuse from Judaism was, is God such an egomaniac, so narcissistic, he needs our praise and our blessing all days? And what's the answer, of course? Is it for God? No, it's for us. It's for us. Do you really think I told him this? I said, do you really think that God considers your prayers a praise to him? Look at you in the life that you lead. Look at me in the life that I lead. Look how fallible and frail we are. Look at the mistakes. Look how inconsistent we are. Look who we are, how lowly we are. We are worm food. We will once, we will eventually, uh, I lost my connection. We lost the global. What's Hashem's message? Stop talking about the global. Are they still there? You guys still there? Somebody comment on YouTube if you're still there. Somebody comment if you're still there. So I said, is it for Hashem? Of course not, it's for us. It's for us to ground ourselves and center ourselves. And that's what Rav Asher Weiss writes. That's what he writes is what the meaning here. Why are we learning? Is it just cute play on words? Vayi ma'as adanim. A hundred adanim l'ma'as ha-kikar. Kikar la'adan. Ma'as. What is the word ma'as? Me'ah. A hundred. adanim. What's an adan? Adanim is adon. A hundred times a day, recognize adnas. A hundred times a day, recognize Hashem is the master. Hashem is the creator. Hashem is in charge. You see, we're in a world that is so confusing and it's so easy to lose our compass and it's so easy to lose who we are and where we are that we need a hundred times a day to remember what matters and what's important and who's in charge. A hundred times a day, an exercise in humility. This is what Rav Asher writes. And he says, Nira, tam atur. The tour of the Balaturim is the one who quotes Ma'as Adanim is based on Adne Paz, Shir Shirim, There's a cute, it's just a cute tour. It's just a cute Balaturim. Ma'as a hundred Adanim. No, there's something dip. Yesh Kesher Pnimi Mahuti Bein Ma'as Adne Ameshkan Lema'a Brachos Chayvad Lavarach B'choyom. And what is it? Venira says Ravasha Shlita. The Keshem Adanim Hem Yisod Kol Ameshkan Kulo. Just like the sockets they hold together the entire Mishkan. So, you know, you have a lot fancier things in the Mishkan. You have curtains and drapes, and you have um, walls, and you have coverings, and you have utensils and gold and shiny. There's a lot more beautiful things, flashy things in the Mishkan. But you know what holds it all together? These little sockets. And if the little sockets are not in place and they're not secure, you know what happens to the Mishkan? Collapses. It implodes, it falls down. It falls down. If Bilvavi Mishkan Evne, if Vishachanti Bisokham, do you know what holds you together? You're so flashy and fancy and you shine like gold. There's so many beautiful things about you, but you know what's really holding you together in your relationships, in your personal life, in your professional life? You know what are the Adanim? What are the sockets that are holding us together? The Meya Brachos The hundred brachos we say a day. The hundred times a day we say, Hashem, I just killed a deal. Hashem, I just sold a piece of real estate, I made a killing. I just made a killing in the stock market. I just made a killer case before the judge as a lawyer. I just killed it in the operating room. That's a poor choice of words. I just <laughs> I just brought someone back to life in the operating room. I just gave an amazing drusha. I brought them back to life after I put them to sleep in the shul. So you know what keeps us level-headed? You know what holds us together? 
You know what makes our relationship function and work? The hundred brachas we say a day are the hundred adanim, are the hundred sockets. And he says, Rav Asher Wai says, he has a Kabbalah from the Chazanish. She is sowed ve'ikr b'avodos Hashem. What should be the emphasis and what is the core of our serving Hashem today? What is the measure of whether you're in a good place and you're serving Hashem today? You know what it is? Whether you gave to the global campaign. Okay, no, not whether you gave to the global campaign. That's also true, but the Chazanish was before the global campaign. Otherwise, he would have said that. The Iker is, Levarach birchas anenen bekavana. Imagine the great Chazanish. He didn't say sit and shtag 12 hours a day and observe and adopt the latest Chumrah of the week. And you know what the Chazanish said? Chazanish said, have kavana for birchas anenen. When you make a shahako, have kavana. When you make a hamotz, you have kavana. When there's thunder or lightning, you acknowledge it's from God. Have kavana. When you come out of the bathroom, you come out of the bathroom. Rofechol basar maflilasos. Rofechol basar maflilasos. There are people who are desperate for refuah shlema. People we know, young people, young people. Rofechol basar maflilas. What does an asher yatzer take? How much time does it take? Nothing. My buddy Yossi Hecht, who visited us in a wheelchair, he joined us part of the fly and we sang and we danced together, he in his wheelchair. We spun around and around. He started a program, Asher to the Yatzar. It's a man who had a tumor on his spine and he's confined to a wheelchair. And all he wanted from Hashem was not to need to be catheterized for his lifetime. He davened and davened and davened and davened and he started a campaign to get everyone to have kavana for the brach of Asher Yatzar and his chus. Baruch Hashem, Hashem has listened so far. He should have a refuah shleima and get out of that wheelchair and sing and dance at his wedding. But many other young, these are young people. Young people, Ashir this morning is also for refuah shleima. Master Tila Ariel, Tzipora, Carmel Shai Ben Reza, Rofecho Basaru Maflulas. Those four words, even if you don't pay attention to the rest of Ashir Yatzer. Rofecho Basar, Hashem, you heal all flesh. Umaflulasos, and you could make miracles. You could make miracles. Just that kavana asher yatzer. So the Chazanish says, kavana on these brachas, that is our avoda of today. Our mission, our mandate, our avoda today. Of course, it's learning, dominance, and it's all the other things. But that's our job, that's our mission, that's our mandate. So the whole mishkan, the whole avoda in the mishkan, the karbonos and the lechem aponim, and the Ketores, all the Avodah of the Mishkan, the Avodah of Yom Kippur, it all relied on these little sockets. And without the sockets, the whole thing collapsed. And all of our Avodah, it relies on our hundred brachas a day. Who we are, and how we see ourselves, and what is our mission, and what are the relationships in our lives. It's not just a cute play on words, says Rav Asher, but there's a much deeper, deeper connection of the Adonim, just like the Adonim are the core that are holding the Mishkan together, so to these hundred brachas are the core that are holding our lives, that are holding our lives together. And that's what the Chidush Arim says, it's not a coincidence, it's not a coincidence that the word Adonim, the Adonim of the foundation of the Mishkan, brachos, Adonim come from the word Adon, Adon is a master. The brachos that we testify, Hashem is the master over everything. So just when I think I'm in charge, I'm in control, just when I start to blame myself and feel guilty and ashamed and stressed of what I need to get done, I make a bracha. And with each bracha I say, I once again submit and surrender to Hashem. I once again testify that He is in charge, that He is in control. There's a lot more to say. We have a lot of different psukim we learn this from also. 
Don't read Ma Elamea. What does Hashem want from us? A hundred brachas a day. When David HaMelech experienced a pandemic in his time, David HaMelech experienced a pandemic in his time, that's when he introduced, instituted, everybody say a hundred brachas a day b'kavana. And Hashem removed the pandemic. If we want to finally come out of this pandemic permanently, a hundred brachas a day, to have a little kavana, it takes milliseconds. It's no time at all. Do you know how good your marriage would look if a hundred times a day you said I love you for no reason and out of nowhere? How lucky I am to be married to you. How beautiful you look, how amazing you are. Thank you for everything you do. It's annoying to think the other person needs it or wants it or demands it. But I know how amazing your marriage would be if you'd volunteer it. Because Baruch says, volunteer 100 brachas a day to me. Not because I need it. Do you know how your life will change if you do this exercise in humility? Perak Lamites, Pasuk Lamit Gimel. They brought the Mishkan to Moshe, the tent, all the utensils, the hooks, the planks, the bars, the pillars, the sockets. They slept and they brought it all to, they brought it all to Moshe. Why did they bring it all to Moshe? So the Medrash Tanchumi here tells the following. One Pasuk says that Moshe erected the Mishkan. And another Pasuk says it was the first of the month that the Mishkan stood up. So which is it? Did Moshe stand up the Mishkan or did the Mishkan stand up on its own? So, Did Moshe actively do it or did it rise on its own? How did it happen? Says the Medrash, So they said, everybody, you ready on the count of three? Let's lift it and put it together. It's like a prefab house. You ever get stuck on a highway between, behind one of those prefab houses in the back of a truck? They pull up, everybody on three, lift the walls, screw it together, you're good to go. So everybody on three, lift up the Mishkan. We have the architecture, the design, the engineering, the materials, it's built, it's designed, ready to go. Everybody on three? They couldn't get it done. They couldn't lift it up. So they bring it to Moshe. Moshe says, what, what do you want from me? I don't know how to lift it. I'm one man show. Stand up and do it. And it'll stand up on its own. And I'll write that you're the one who did it. So really, it stood up on its own. But Moshe was the one who went through the motion as if he lifted, erected, as if he completed the Mishkan. So Hashem fulfilled his promise. He recorded it that Moshe completed the Mishkan, even though the Mishkan was completed on its own, because Hashem orchestrated that Moshe would be there. So the Medrash says, mishkan? Mishkan It stood on its own. But Moshe was Zoha that it's written as if he did it. So you have to ask yourself, why wasn't Moshe given the strength to do it? He's the manig on the whole project. Moshe Rabbeinu has the strength to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Moshe Rabbeinu is the catalyst of 10 miracles and of a splitting of the sea, of countless plagues. So why didn't Hashem Taka just give Moshe the strength to lift it? What's with the charade? What are we going through these motions? Moshe, stand there, it'll look like you did it, but it did it on its own, and I'll write that you did it. Just give him the strength to do it. Vani kosev alecha she'ataha kimoso. Says the Medrash Tanchuma, I'll record it, I'll write it, as if you did it. Moshe's an ish emes. What would you expect Moshe to say? Thanks, but no thanks. If I didn't do it, don't write that I did it. This wouldn't be the first time Moshe said, erase me from the book, don't write that. Thanks Hashem, but no thanks. 
uh, you know, someone offers you, Rabbi, I'm going to write down, is it? No, no, Moshe Rabbeinu is the Ish Enos. He's the quintessential man of truth. So why doesn't he protest? Why doesn't he object? Why doesn't he say to Hashem, don't record it as if I did it, if I didn't do it? So the Mashkiach of Lakewood, of Nasan of the Talmud of Ritz, says, We learned something great from here. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, The work is not upon you to complete. We don't have to get everything done. We can't get everything done. We are mere mortals. We are finite human beings. So what's the Pashtus? The simple understanding of, means, don't feel you have to finish everything yourself. You're not entitled to not start. You have to start, but don't feel obligated to finish. You can't do it all by yourself. Don't feel obligated. You're obligated to start, but you can't finish it. But you see something more, says Ravach Vogel, says the Mashkiach. He says, Ein Says the Mashkiach, you understand? It's a very beautiful message. doesn't mean call it quits after you did a little bit. You could technically finish it, but you don't have to finish it all by yourself. You don't have to deliver or assemble the whole Mishloch Manos by yourself. Get a committee, do it with other people, get us started. Yeah, you could. But you don't have to. That's how we classically understand the Mishnah. But according to the Mashkiach, what the Mishnah means is, not that you could, but you don't have to. You need to know that you can't. You need to know there's nothing that's in our power to complete. We are mere mortals and we are finite. Kodesh Baruch Hu, we need His divine assistance. We need His divine approval. We can't finish anything on our own. So what is Elamai, what is He waiting for? For us to start. When we start, that's an expression of our Amunah. When we start, we say, Hashem, I'm invested, I'm interested, I'm starting. And that's what they say in the name of Rav Yisrael Salanter. He has it here in the Yiddish, but I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to read it in the Yiddish. I'll read it in the Hebrew. We have to try, but the success is in the hands of Hashem. We go through the motions, we do the exercise, but Hashem is the one who makes it happen. We have all these ma'amari chazal. Baruch is the one who brings it to reality. So you have to offer a tefillah. You're going into the operating room. You're going into the boardroom. You're going into whatever room. You're going into the gym. You're going into the shul. You're going into whatever room of life, activity of life. Hashem, I'm your shliach. I'm your agent. I'm going to go through the motions. I can't do this on my own. I need your assistance. I need your partnership. I need you by my side. It can't and it won't happen without you. It can't and it won't happen without you. So that's the message that Akash Baruch Hu says to Moshe. I'll write it as if you did it, not because that's not a not truth. What's the Mashkiach explaining? When I recorded that you did it, did Moshe do it or not? The answer is he did do it because he tried. When we start and when we intend and when we try, even though we can't complete it, it is connected and associated with us because our intention and our motivation and our attitude and our heartfelt, sincere approach, it is eternally connected to us. Vayaka Moshe, a couple more quick uh, thoughts. Perak Mem, Pasuk Yilches. We'll give a little bonus partial perspectives for a global week. Stay with us a couple more minutes. Perak Mem, Pasuk Yilches. 
538. It was the first of the month, second year, and the Mishkan was lifted. Right, we're just reading again what we just said. He brought the Aaron. Sorry. Moshe stood it up and he brought the sockets and the krashav, the brichav, and the adanav. He brought everything. He brought everything in. I saw in this new sefer of Reuven Feinstein, Shlita. He says the following. Uh, he says the following. Moshe put up the mishkan, the adanam, the krasham, he inserted the brichim, he erected the pillars, he spread the covering over the mishkan, the next pasuk, vayifrosh, vayifros, es ha'oal ala mishkan, he put the covering over the mishkan, vayasam es mechseh ha'oal alav milamala, he put the cover of the oal on top of it, kesher tzivah shem Moshe. The Svarno here comments, if you look at the Svarno inside, the Svarno here comments, Svarno says, esa ha'yiriyo shenikru mishkan huk mukodam ha'kamas ha'krashem, he put the covering before the walls. He put the roof, or the roof, if you're from the Midwest, before he put the walls. Says the Sforna, I'm not sure what's going on over here. Maybe there's a miracle that took place. But it was in the most unusual fashion. Nobody builds a house this way. It would never pass inspection or code. From the Psukim, it sounds like the Mishkan was put up first, and only afterwards the walls were put in place. First put the covering, first put the roof, and then the walls, and then the walls. So, what's going on over here? What's going on? So, Rav Ruven Feinstein says, it emerges the first thing Moshe did was to put up the innermost covering of the Mishkan, and then he put up the structure that would hold it up. Until the beams were erected, the cover was held in place by either people, says the Sforno, or by a nasa miracle. The sequence is now clear, but we have to ask why. Why was it done this way? The answer is right, Rav Ruvain is, Moshe put up the ceiling first to teach us in order to grow, you need to have a goal in mind. It's not enough to merely begin to build ourselves from the ground and see where we can reach. If one approaches his avoda this way, he'll inevitably fall short of your potential. He will reason, he will be trying as hard as he can and he'll be satisfied with less than his true ability. You have to start off with a specific and careful plan, goal in mind, and that will allow us to maximize our potential. So it says Rav Ruvain, first the ceiling, then the walls. You know why? You got to mark your calendar with the next Siyam Ashas and then begin the Daf Yomi. You mark your calendar with the Siyam of the Mishnah Yomi and now you start the Mishnah Yomi. You mark your calendar with the date you want to weigh in, being healthy and well and meeting your target goal and now you can begin your exercise routine. You have to set a goal. You have to have a ceiling and now you'll build your walls to get to it. But if you just start walls and you say, let's see how high I can go. Let's see how far we'll get. You're not going to get so far. Because you'll feel good about the little built, the little wall you put up, and you'll not get nearly as far as, not far as you could. So first you have to set a goal, and then you can begin to pursue it. That is the insight of Rav Ruvain based on the, based on the Svarno. Based on the Svarno. But I saw another insight. But Rav Chaim Shaul Koifman, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Tiferes Yaakov in Gateshead, he's quoted in the Sefer, the Sitcha Elyon. And he says, bear with me a couple more minutes, we're going to finish up. He says the following: You know why the ceiling went up before the walls? Because it was a message. The ceiling is always there. Hashem Shechina, it's always there. 
The countenance, the covering, the shade of Hashem, it's always there. We have to put up the walls because we have to put up a place for Him to reside. So Hashem is in our life all the time. But now we've got to lead a life and build a home where He will reside. So that was built in this unusual order, sort of out of order, in order to communicate the reality, which is that Hashem is always here, and now we have to put it over our head, over our head. We'll finish up with one last Pasuk. Perak Mem Pasuk Lamed With this we're finishing not only Parshas Pekudeh, but Sefer Shmos. Don't leave, you want to stay for the Chazak. Big, big finish in a moment. The cloud covered the tent, and the glory of Hashem filled the tent. Moshe could not enter. Moshe couldn't enter because the cloud was over it. So a little throwback to our friend Rav Druk, his Eish Tamid. We didn't get this in last year, so we saved it for this year. And he says the following. He quotes the Medrash. What's going on over here? It says Moshe couldn't go in. Couldn't go in? He dedicated his life for this moment. He ran the capital campaign, $17.5 million. They built the building. This is the inauguration ceremony. He wants to go in. And there's a cloud covering the entrance, and Moshe hesitates. Moshe doesn't go in. Says the Medrash, you think Moshe was afraid to go in? Harikvar Namar Vayavo. He did go in, but it was cloudy, it was foggy, he had to be led and accompanied by Hashem. So why does it say he didn't go in? Because he didn't go in until he was granted permission by Hashem, until Hashem invited him in. So you have to ask, why does the Pasuk say, Lo yachal Moshe lavo? How do you understand the Medrash? What is Velo Yachol? We're saying that he could come in, he just waited for Hashem. So what do you mean, Velo Yachol? What do you mean? So you see, Chile kavod l'shechina. Moshe gave honor to Hashem. That's called Lo Yachol. If something will be a source of honor to Hashem, to not do it that way for Moshe was Lo Yachol. The other way was not an option. It was not an option. You ever, nobody's going to admit it, but I will. You ever in bed and about to fall asleep and you realize you didn't dive in Marv? It's miserable. This happens on days that you fly back and your flight was delayed 17 times and you crawl into bed at three in the morning when you finally made it home and you're a pile of mush and you've got nothing left and you're finally closing your eyes and you're exhausted and you realize, I didn't dive in Marv. And now you gotta get out of bed. And what will that Marv look like? And the first question about what that Marv will look like is, you're in your pajamas, and let's not now imagine, the imagining could stop right now, what, you, what, what a person sleeps in, whatever that state is. Is that how you daven marv? Or do you say, I gotta get dressed, I'm about to sit and talk to my, my creator. No matter what time it is, no matter how exhausted I am, davening marv. So for the Moshe Rabbeinus of the world, velo yachol. It's not that he had to dig deep and find the energy and strength and get dressed to daven that marv at 3 a.m., Lo yachol. He, he just was incapable of davening marv without getting dressed. How can you say Shemon Esrei Amida without getting dressed? Many of us would make excuses. Esrei what do you want from me, Hashem? I, sure, it's like, uh, I found some slippers and this won't be my best marv, but it's better than nothing. For a Moshe Rabbeinu, v'lo yachol. Lo yachol. There was no other option. There was no other choice. There was no other way. There was no other way. They say about Rav Moshe Feinstein, that someone called him for an important conversation for the telephone. But there was someone in the middle of davening 
in the path that Moshe was walking to go, Reb Moshe was walking to go have that conversation. So Reb Moshe stood still. So they asked him, Why didn't you go? So Reb Moshe said, what do you mean? There's a wall. I can't walk through the wall. For Reb Moshe, someone standing davening was like a wall. You can't walk through a wall. For us, these things are negotiable and debatable and we can rationalize and we can excuse. For tzaddikim, lo yachol. For Moshe Rabbeinu, lo yachol. He couldn't walk in without Hashem saying, come in. He could physically walk in. He could physically do it. But the fact that Hashem didn't let him, lo yachol. He couldn't walk in. Later in Sefer Dvarim, it says, ki az gvul b'nei Amon. They couldn't, they couldn't traverse, they couldn't penetrate into the border of Amon. Rashi says, what do you mean az gvul b'nei Amon? The border of Amon was strong. So Rashi there in Sefer Dvarim says, no, you know why it's ki az gvul b'nei Amon? Because Hashem said, don't go into Amon. So therefore, there was a strong border. There was a wall. If Hashem says you can't go, it's not, well, I'm trying so hard to listen and not go. Our goal is to get to a point of life that velo yachol. So that's first number one, um, Rav Druk. Number two. It says, vayava Moshe b'socha anan. So which is it? Lo yachol or vayavo? Malamit shatafsa kosh baruchu l'moshe b'avio. It says that kosh baruchu grabbed Moshe by the lapel and schlepped and dragged him in. He hesitated. So I understand that Harsinai, Moshe walked right in. And now the old Moed, Hashem has to drag him in. Why? Which one was holier? I would think that there'd be more of a barrier to Harsinai than there would be to the old Moed. Says Rav Druk, no. Why? Harsinai is all top down. That's all Hashem. It's less holy. Old Moed is all the Jewish people donating and dedicating and building and sacrificing and compromising and giving like to the global campaign. brsonline.org slash global. So therefore, that takes more. You invest, you give a piece of yourself. You're giving, you're doing. Therefore, it's holier, it's higher. What comes easily to you, what's spoon-fed to you, being invited on top of the mountain, you can walk right in. But what you invested, what you earn, what you compromise, what you sacrifice, what's hard, that, that already, you need to be invited and Hashem had to grab him in. And lastly, Rav Nachman of Breslov. You didn't think you were going home today without a Rav Nachman. The Helega Breslover, Rav Nachman of Breslov says, Vayachase Anan. The all Moed is the goal, is the pinnacle, is the peak. An audience with Hashem, the Shechina, his being our Shachain, is the purpose of it all. So why would there be a cloud? Why would there be a covering? Why would Hashem want to make it difficult? Why would he make it difficult? So Rav Nachman says, He says, because the things that we care about, the things that matter most, you have to fight through and walk through that cloud. Sometimes they feel like they're covered. They're inaccessible. Sometimes they're hard to find. Sometimes you think you're walking through a fog in order to get there. Speak to people in dating and the path it took until they knew that was the one. People fertility who desperately are trying to bring a child into this world and the effort that they have to take. Talk to the Balchuva or the person who's struggling spiritually to navigate their way towards a meaningful relationship with Hashem. Sometimes it feels like there's a cloud that's covering the destination, the goal. We have to work. We saw a great tzaddik last week on our fly-in. You should watch our summary video if you get a chance. But one of the themes that permeated everyone we met with, lefum tzara agra, no pain, no gain, that the effort, the reward is proportional to the effort it takes. Are you willing, you know, if there's no cloud covering it, then it's not a big deal to experience it. But if you gotta get through the cloud, so this is what Rav Nachman said, and this we close. Hashem Mizgala b'Mishkan Davka b'Soch Anan Shal Hester. 
When it feels like there's a barrier, when it feels like there's a blockage, when it feels like there's something preventing us from breaking it through to that result, to that success, to that triumph that we want, it's Hashem in the barrier. Hashem is in the blockage. Hashem they're both true simultaneously. Hashem is blocking us, but Hashem is also inviting us. We have to fight through, we have to overcome, we have to take His hand and be able to get through and navigate through and over and under and around to be able to get to the other side of the success or whatever we're looking for in our life. And with that, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, we finish Sefer Shmos. Chazak, chazak. We should be strengthened. I'll tell you the closing thought. 20 more seconds. My buddy, Rabbi Yechiel Spiro, I sent him the video of our flying mission, and he called me, and he said the following vort. Touched by a story, I was touched by his Dvar Torah, Rabbi Spiro. Chazak, chazak, v'niz chazak. Says the Kedusha on the previous Baba Varebbe, the father of the previous Baba Varebbe. Says the Kedusha Tzion, you know, most commodities in life, when you give away, you have less. If I give you money, I have less. If I give you time, I have less. He says, but when it comes to Torah, Avodah Hashem, Chazak, Chazak, the more I chizak I give you, Venis Chazak. When I give you chizak, I don't have less strength. When I give you strength, I have more strength. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, we should all be strengthened. BRSonline.org slash global. If you enjoyed, even if you didn't enjoy this year, you should give because you were here and there was coffee. So please take a moment before you pull out today from the parking lot and help support our campaign.